And I think they're offered a way out of that life uh, to be, you know, the sugar daddy, sugar son. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of a sugar daddy is. Is it the sugar? <laughs> sugar boy. Sugar. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Yay! Yay to Barrett. <laughs> um, hey, I'm here. That's right. Um, so with uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, which will be out by the time this podcast uh, comes out, we decided uh, to, to look at Keanu Reeves' career. I am an FBI agent. I don't care about your crime. I know kung fu. I don't lose. I win. That's my job. That's what I do. It's one of those very interesting careers. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and and he is he is seen at all different kinds of sides. Like like you don't i don't think anybody's ever going to say he's a great actor but he is beloved yeah. and and he is and and when you put him in the right movie he is fantastic in mm-hmm. those right movies he can't do everything but he can do a lot of things and like he's <laughs> extremely likable mm-hmm. but he also has his moments where you're like whoa not the type of movie that he needs to be <laughs> whoa <in." laughs> whoa um so we decided to look at his career because it's interesting and varied for sure um and uh we're just gonna go through the imdb credits and uh i was thinking like what is the first movie when you look at the imdb credits what is the earliest movie on this list that you've seen keanu reeves uh mine is river's edge that is mine as well uh that was uh 1986 now 1986 and he had he had done a few things before this, um, mm-hmm. had several TV movies, had several the- uh, features, a uh, couple of TV series appearances. He was apparent. I need to see this Coca-Cola ad that he was in <laughs> in 1984. Um, but uh, River's Edge is, is the first one that I've seen on this. River's Edge is a weird movie, man. It is. I, <laughs> it, it's, it's not weird in that weird things happen. It's It's that... It, it's it revolves around a murder and basically and the movie to its credit uh, uh you know it it addresses this it's about a murder that nobody gives a shit about nope nope either some well i think if memory serves the only person that kind of gives a shit is keanu right yes but yes and and sort of eon sky does too mm. but Nobody like here's where here's what I mean. There could be some there could be some shock involved too. I understand that, but like, so the murderer you know right off the bat is Daniel Roebuck. Who, if you haven't, if you've Daniel Roebuck was in The Fugitive. He was one of Tommy Lee Jones's men in that movie. He's like, how about bullshit, Sam? How about bullshit? You know, he's that guy. <laughs> is he? Um, he's the uh, die the river blue the 
Other three yes. hundred sixty four yeah. days, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's and he's uh, he's he was Jay Leno in that uh, in that Jay Leno David Letterman oh, uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. He's in a he was in Lost. He's in a million different things. Mm. Uh, he's the killer. And right off the bat, we see him with this this naked dead body, and he's just like he's just kind of like looking over it in kind of a I don't know a shocked way, I guess. Uh, but then he goes and tells his friends about it, and his friends, led by a again Crispin Glover, man, this guy. There's a lot of weirdos what is in this his movie. Deal, man. There's a lot what is of weirdos. Crispin Glover's deal. We're going to be talking about Keanu Reeves, but I want to know what Crispin Glover's deal is. Um, he's like Matt, Matt. He just keeps on like having these these weird like line readings and everything. Um. But uh but yeah, you have Crispin Glover, you have Keanu Reeves, uh Eon Sky, uh they all get taken to the place where the body is, kind of very it's almost stand by me ish in a way. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and they all look at the body and they're all like, hmm, dead body. We knew that person. Weird. Yeah. That's very I mean, I'm not even I'm not <laughs> even joking. Not even joking it that's how their reaction is to this. Uh and uh Crispin Glover wants to help his friend, but there's this discussion as to whether he and Daniel Roebuck are really friends at all in this. They're not, they don't really know each other that well, I guess, but mm. he wants to help him out. He doesn't want this body to be discovered and him go to jail. And he hides him in Dennis Hopper's house. Mm. Of course, Dennis Hopper's in this movie, 1986, Dennis Hopper, <laughs> a lot of word he's coming straight off a of blue velvet man, because he's got a, <laughs> He's got a like a a a, a blow up doll buddy, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a drug um, dealer, isn't he? Yeah, he's a drug dealer, and he's hiding out because he thinks that there are people out there that want to kill him. And uh, and he's been in he's been like enclosed in this house for five years, but um, but uh, they hide him out. But but there are some people of conscience. Ian Ian Sky is like why. Why are we doing what Crispin Glover wants to do? Why, why, like this, this girl was our friend too. Listen, they almost call the, the cops and then don't. And then Keanu Reeves ends up doing it. Hmm. And, um, and really the whole movie seems to be about how they deal with death and maybe at that kind of an age where they don't know what to do, how to deal with it because it, they, their loyalties are divided. Uh, you know, the, the, the friend that has died and the friend who's committed the murder. Um, but it's so bizarre all the way through. Mm-hmm. You're like, what do you feel about this shit? And they address <laughs> it. They do. They address it. They yeah. say, oh, I, I don't know. I didn't like Keanu Reeves is asked in a, in a, in a, like he's asked by the detective who you guys will know as the, the diehard two janitor, uh, is the, is the, oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, he's like, um, He's like, what did so? Did you feel anything at all? He's like, I don't know. I don't know if I feel anything or not. And uh, <laughs> and it's true. And I don't think I. I believe him. I don't think he does. It's such a fucking weird movie, man. It really is. <laughs> I don't even know if it's good. Don't they end up yeah. like kicking the body down the river or something like that? Crispin Glover rolls the body into the river. Yeah. Yeah, and then, it in the river. But, but it doesn't work, right? <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, you, you can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, water tends to uh, bring the body back. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's this, there's this whole thing, and there's like, um, you know, there's subplots in there where people are trying to get back at other people, and 
Keanu Reeves is trying to get with Eon Sky, and who could blame him? And mm. and um, and but uh, Keanu Reeves is pretty good in this. I would he's say fine. He he's plays like a perfect encapsulation of that character, mm. and this will be a trend if you put <laughs> Keanu in the right role. Yes, <laughs> spectacular. Yeah, put a round peg in a square pe- hole, then I it's hold. not it's not good. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean it's a weird movie. I think it's I think it's uh I think it's pretty good. I mean just just in general like it's a it's a different way to look at a this kind of a movie, you know, like what if somebody got murdered and nobody gave a shit? Basically. Mhm. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, yeah. It, 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 it's like ballsy to make a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Um cuz yeah, there's not anybody like, you know, crying over this body or anything. Just and nobody that we know really who could say I'm really affected by the, this loss or anything. Nobody's right. in the movie that can attest to that. We don't know the parents because, and I, I'm guessing that the parents aren't really there because this is a, a basically a white trash movie mm. where they're like all the people's parents are fucked up and, and, and are uh, absentee and everything like that. So, you know, probably didn't have parents that cared about her at all. But. It's like a Charlie Brown special. It's just like a Charlie Brown special. (laughs) I'm just saying, in that Halloween, the great pumpkin, Linus goes to sleep in a goddamn pumpkin patch. Mm -hmm. And Lucy has to get up at four o'clock in the fucking morning. That's true. To bring him in and put the blanket on him. Ain't no fucking parents up in that bitch. Well, look, every time that their parents try to tell them not to do something, all they hear is wah, 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 Right, exactly. So, so it's exactly the same as River's Edge. It's exactly like River's Edge. I think we've <laughs> conclusively uh, proven that this movie is just like the peanut. Um, what is the next thing that you guys have seen on this list? Have you seen Babes in Toyland? No. That, I know that's a yes. pretty famous TV movie, but I've that's never got, seen uh, it. That's got uh, the, uh, the Barrymore, Drew Barrymore, yeah, right? it's got Drew Barrymore yes. in it. I have I've seen, never seen it. She doesn't like toys. And so she gets transported to Toyland and Uh Keanu is there as like the Prince of Toyland or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, that's all I remember. It's, it's Mm -hmm. adorable. This is Drew Barrymore. Let's see. 1986. So she was like, she would have been 11, 11. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. she's still in her girly phase and Keanu, gosh, he's a teenager, right? Or maybe in his early twenties. When when do you think Keanu was born? Oh, he was born in 64, so he'd be 20, okay. 22, 23, somewhere. Okay, there. yeah. But uh, let's see. And then the next the next one on the list that I have seen is Dangerous Liaisons. Have you seen anything before that? Uh, there's The Night Before. I haven't seen Permanent Record. I haven't seen Prince of Pennsylvania. I have not seen Dangerous Liaisons. So, yeah, to preface this, like the first movie that I saw with Keanu Reeves was... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But then mm-hmm. going back, his his first movie was River's Edge and then Dangerous Liaisons, which rules. The movie rules. Now mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this is Keanu. one of those this is one of those Keanu doesn't fit kind of movies. Um he's he's playing he's playing someone who is um courting uh one of he's court who is he courting in this? Um 
He's Uma. courting. Uh, well, it's, first of all, it's is it Uma Michelle Pfeiffer, right? No, 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 no. It's the it's the girl. Yeah, he's uh, courting Uma. Uma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, of course he finds out about Malkovich, uh, you know, Malkovich and her having sex. So like he's, he wants to sort of defend his honor and, and defend her honor and everything. And there's a sword fight towards the end and everything, but he's, yeah. And when you put Keanu in one of these period pieces, man, it, it like almost always ends up being like, Oh my God, this is excruciating. <laughs> Tell remind me who's all in this. Michelle Pfeiffer is it Net Benning in this one? No, that's Valmont. Uh, who was the who was the uh Glenn Close was Glenn Close and Glenn Close was the Sarah Michelle Keller. He didn't last this much the last time we did this. It's the only time Glenn Glenn Close will be compared to the superior Sarah Michelle. That's right. That's correct. Oh Um, my God. But uh, uh, okay, so it's her and Malkovich, and then Michelle Pfeiffer is the Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> you, again, yeah. you did not laugh this much when we did this before. <laughs> no, I forgot that we did. We compare them to Cruel Intentions last time. Yeah, I did. I had watched this in Valmont like the same day and <laughs> was like recommending Valmont and recommending this, and I kept saying. This person in that Benning plays the Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, but that's this guy in is the Ryan Phillippe. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. No, yeah. I did it with Dangerous Liaisons too. I talked about okay. both those movies in the same segment. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's hilarious. You laugh all you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then Keanu is the uh, okay, and then okay, I got you now. Is the chillest. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, the, but it's funny because Sean came, Patrick Thomas. Yeah, yes. Dalmont came out. You you already ran out this recently, but like a year around. Yeah, they were within right? like a year and a half of each other. Yeah. Okay. And that, in fact, the the story is Annette Benning um, wanted the role in Dangerous Liaisons, but it went to Glenn Close, and so she got the role in Belmont after that. So it's like a volcano Dante's Peak type yes. of relationship. Yes. Yeah. Deep Impact Armageddon. Bugs Ants Life. <laughs> we can yeah. go on like this forever. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, I, I didn't realize for the longest time that there was a second, uh, one of these movies that, cause I remember dangerous liaisons, even when I was like 11 years old, when that movie came out, cause I used to see ads for it. I never saw anything for Valmont anywhere. Yeah. I think it was um, probably a, a smaller deal. It probably was. Uh, but yeah, in, in this movie, you know, especially when he's challenging Malkovich towards the end, it's just like, yeah. Yeah, Valmont. Yeah, yeah. I want your head. Mm-hmm. I believe he's got now. See, this starts the the run of let's not try an accent because I I believe he tries. Jeremy, do you remember if he tries a British accent here? Don't I don't remember. I'm sure I'm sure he's trying. Whatever ends up coming out, uh, he's yeah, trying. It ends up being very. I mean, it just it's Keanu by the time it's. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really. I don't think he may do. He may be putting on an accent, but it's just Keanu putting on an accent as well. Yeah, it's it's, and we'll talk about these, but much ado about nothing. And then uh, Dracula Mm -hmm. um, are the times where he tries an accent. I don't think. Oh no, 
He tries one more accent later on. Yeah, it's not British. Uh, it's um, not really anything, but yeah, it's just not a good, not a good look. Yeah, the movie itself is fantastic. You should watch it. Uh, Keanu is not at his best here, but then his ultimate role here, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. If you know, this is. I mean, I'm not saying that he should always be this kind of like a like a dim bulb type of character or anything, but this is so perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the just the you know, the the guy who doesn't kind of, he he has that voice already, right? You know, where it sounds like he just doesn't get most things. He's kind of dumb, you know, whatever. And I, I people have asked him that in interviews, which I think is really fucking rude. Yeah, uh, no kidding. You know, you well, people, I think people were implying that why do you play dumb characters or is it because, you know, of your voice or whatever like that? And it's, you know, it's like, it's obvious he's, he's a pretty intelligent dude and he's a, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, to, to play, to play this is, is it perfect for Keanu though? Mm-hmm. Um, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Uh, what do we think about this movie today? Ooh boy. Um I don't really think it holds up very well. No, I not really. loved it when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Loved yeah. it. Today's teenagers might love it if they saw it, but uh adult me is does not enjoy uh this movie. I re- I watched it about a month ago for a project I was working on and it really doesn't hold up uh, almost in any way whatsoever. What doesn't That's hold up? Sense. Obviously, there's the the one moment of the the homophobic slur and all that. But what what is it the the datedness of the movie? Is it the effects? Is it the um, yes, yes historical inaccuracies? Is it all of the above? It's a it it feels like a one joke movie to me, um, and the the joke is always they're dumb. Yeah, uh, and. It, it just didn't make me laugh very much. And yeah, the homophobic stuff stands out, but it was the 80s and people were still doing that pretty regularly in movies. Mm. Uh, I'm not going to judge the movie for that, uh, but it's you know, everything about everything about the, the premise of their freaking project to save their entire grade or they go to military <laughs> school. The whole thing is just... Written by teenagers, and I think it was. Um, well, yeah, I think so. That is hilarious. That the teacher, the history teacher, literally waits until the day before the report to tell them that they failed everything, yeah. and they're genuinely surprised. I don't think that they're like too dumb to know. I think this is the first they're aware of this. Yeah, and he says, not only do you have to pass your your report, you have to get an A plus on your <laughs> yeah. report. It has to be before. It has to be super special, uh, and 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 like, yeah. And and this report is so fucking like, uh, like such insane parameters. Like, pick somebody from a historical era and tell us what they would think of San Dimas today. Uh, and you know, you get all these people who come up, and they're all like. Yeah, I think they'd love San Dimas. Like almost everybody is saying that shit in their <laughs> in their reports. Um but uh yeah, the I I'm 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 like Jeremy. I think this is great when you're 12 years old or whatever. 
and and you watch it because it's you know it's it's stupid fun you know it's time travel it's you don't think about whether a lot of this stuff makes sense or or anything but uh you know it's it i think it's perfectly fine i think it's a fun movie you know what there's something to be said about that and this is a bit of a derailment it won't take long i watched for family movie night the other night my kid my 12 year old suggested ready player one Mm. Now, I don't like Ready Player One. I've seen it twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it either time. Liked the book quite a bit. But I was like, you know what? That's a good family movie. You know, not not a whole lot of, you know, tits and guns and blood and dicks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Really none to speak of. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we watched it. And for a 12-year-old, especially a 12-year-old that's into gaming, he had a fucking blast, as did my wife. Mm. And I kind of enjoyed it just by proxy of them enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think I think the context will inform that. Like, I bet my parents or whoever took me to see Bill and Ted's back in the day probably enjoyed it because I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't like Ready Player One, the movie. And I've, I've said that I like the book, although I've had to reassess the book over the last few years, too, because I've heard uh interpretations of that there was a guy i saw uh someone gave me a video of a guy deconstructing movie and the book and uh, he's like when somebody somebody gave me this book uh, a few years ago and i I got about halfway through it and i and i called my friend and i was like when does the twist come in and he goes what what do you mean the twist he's like well this guy is this this guy's an asshole The, the 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 main guy is an asshole mm-hmm. he's like this guy who thinks he knows everything about pop culture and uh and he and he's he's in love with this woman who's got the one flaw on her on her face or whatever and all this and like when are, when is this going to turn around on him and he and it turns out that he's the dickhead that everybody needs to stop or whatever and and and, and, <laughs> and he goes oh there's no there's no twist there's no twist at all <laughs> he remains um, a dickhead until the very end that's very true um the next movie i see on this list that i've seen is parenthood yeah that's a good movie Ooh. ron howard mm-hmm. did this one uh i, I remember that. this one being uh a fun movie steve mm-hmm. martin is great in it uh, diane weist uh keanu reeves is dating uh what is her name martha uh, plimpton martha plimpton in this and the only thing i remember about him is that there it's like towards the beginning and i've said this before on on the syncast mentioned this scene before but he's like uh setting up a camera on a tripod and he's like he's like i'm setting up this camera so that we can record our love <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh <laughs> and uh that's and, and i just remember him being considered like one of those like the dude in the descendants that George Clooney yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's kind of like that guy a little bit. I've always but, got weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a and, great uh, cast, man. Yeah, it really is uh, a ton of people in this. Um, Tom Hulse is in that Joaquin Phoenix when he was leaf Phoenix. You remember that he used to be called leaf. Oh, I don't Ooh. remember that actually. It's Ooh. like uh, Sauron started off as a leaf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> Let's not get back into Sauron, please. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, he he's got a small role in this movie, and it's you know, it's I, I remember it being pretty good. They've made uh, 
I think they've made like uh, 14 different TV series out of Parenthood <laughs> since this movie came out. And yeah. everybody uh, is dying of cancer in those movies. In those yeah, shows. that's correct. Uh, uh, the next, okay. What is the next one that you see on this list that you've seen? Uh, I saw, I love you to death, but it was a long ass time ago. I oh, yeah. do you not remember it? I've never seen this. I, I remember basically the gist. It says she, she kills her husband. No, she tries to, this, this movie is hilarious. This movie's hilarious. It's uh, Lawrence Kasdan, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's it Kevin Klein in his prime, too. Yeah. And Tracy Ullman really in a prime. All you have to do is see the video cover and know it's Lawrence Kasdan because there's you know the, he always puts the huge cast on the front of the on the front <laughs> nah. of the thing because he does that with the big chill, I think, and he does it with Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. <laughs> this is Kevin the Klein, Okay, so this is the trailer. That has the voiceover that calls him Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Uh, this is interesting because okay, so Tracy Allman is married to uh, Kevin Klein, and he's a good dude. He's like a pizza man. He's got like a like a Italian accent and everything. He's a pizza man, but he likes to he likes to stick his wee uh, wee in the hoo has his pepperoni. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, into, and uh, he's a serial philander. He's like she's like how many? Somebody asked him like how many affairs have you had? And he's like, in the last two weeks, uh, 12, you know, so he's, he's fucking around on Tracy Ullman. So Tracy Ullman, uh, concocts this idea that she's going to kill him and get like insurance money or something like that. Uh, and, uh, she really doesn't know how to do it, but, uh, she recruits river Phoenix and he mm-hmm. recruits a couple of boneheads. Uh, one of whom is Keanu Reeves. Yeah. One of whom is, is it William Hurt is the other one? Yes. William Hurt is the other one. And they they keep trying to. It's like Danny McBride in uh, Pineapple Express. They keep <laughs> killing him. They keep like shooting him, stabbing him, like doing all this stuff. But he keeps living. <laughs> and they're like, God damn it! How do we do it? It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one on the list that I have seen is Point Break. Yeah, you have. Um, yeah, you have. Perfect, perfect Keanu Reeves casting, right? We're in the nineties, yeah. right? Are yeah, right? we're in nineteen ninety one now. Um, uh, you know, he, he's playing an FBI agent, but he's also playing a surfer dude in this. He's got to go undercover as a surfer dude, infiltrating Patrick Swayze's, you know, gang of surfers who do presidential ro- like robberies as presidents. It's like uh 21 jump street for extreme sports. It is. It Can is. you uh, take me through this? It's been forever since I've seen point break. Yeah. He, okay. Keanu, was a star college football player, right? Johnny yeah. Utah. Yep. Then he became an FBI agent, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then he became mm-hmm. an undercover FBI agent slash surfer that's yeah, trying to a, these, rob people. These robberies by the U.S. presidents or whatever, wearing the Nixon and Reagan masks and all that are unsolved and of course you know uh, i believe it's john c mcginley because it's always john c mcginley um who is uh who who's like you know we gotta get this we gotta get this you know fucking solved you know so oh he's uh, the guy that has the line the you're young, dumb, and full of cum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it, yeah, it's either him or Gary Busey that says that. I don't remember, <laughs> but um, but uh, but yeah, that I I can't remember exactly why. Like I, I why he he knows he needs to be an undercover surfer. I guess he hears something. 
uh, he's got a beach witness guy, I think, that knows that Patrick Swayze and his buddies might be behind it. I think that's maybe possibly what it was. I can't remember. What does the football I, thing have to do with it, though? I don't know. They recognize him. That's how he gets in with the gang is because he was like minorly famous. And one, some. I think even Patrick Swayze recognizes him, but somebody does. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, that's how yeah. he gets in. Right. He uses his fame to get in with the... I think that's even an accident. I think they like meet him and have a conversation. And then the the cops are like, you should keep going undercover and blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah honestly, right. I saw this movie last when we send it and it didn't fare well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same back same here. It's been, it's been forever since I've seen it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, bottom line is, is he, is he goes undercover with these surfers and Patrick Swayze is the leader of it. And, and Lori Petty is his little surfer girl. That's right. And he Tank sings girl the beat voice to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, Busey, Busey is the captain, right? No, Busey's his partner. Oh, okay. Okay. But Johnny, Johnny C is in there somewhere too. That's a good cast. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, nice. Uh, Catherine Bigelow made this movie. She did. Oh, that's and, right. Um, um, and it, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's especially for its time. It's pretty good. It's not, it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's not great by any means, but uh perfect <laughs> Keanu movie. And he does um, fire his gun up in the air whilst yelling, ah. Yes. Yeah. It's Fast and Furious, you know, 20 years yeah. ahead of its time. Yeah, yeah. Keanu Reeves plays the Paul Walker. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Nice. nice. Um, then the next one, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, which I have not seen since it came out. I haven't either. I remember I think, thinking uh, it wasn't as good as the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was that snob at fourteen. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, uh, I all I remember about this is is uh, playing chess with death, who William yeah. Sadler is is playing in this, um, and that's all I know. Remember, I tell um, you what this uh, this movie has is a bitchin' soundtrack. Yeah, uh, I believe that. Only, not only Any poison. Any poison on there? There's no poison. I don't Suck. Think. Uh, <laughs> let me pull it up. But there is uh, Steve Vai did the Reaper uh, during the, the the guitar solo thing. Uh, Faith No More is on this. Yes. Uh, the Perfect Crime. Uh, Shouted Out by Slaughter was on this. Oh, oh, Go to Hell. Oh, this is funny. Uh, so Megadeth had a song on this soundtrack called Go to Hell. And Dave Mustaine claimed that uh, James Hetfield stole it uh, for the uh, now I lay me down to sleep inner Sandman inter- mm. interstitial thing, even though because they came out around the same time as the Black Album, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously now I lay me down to sleep is an old prayer and all that stuff. But yeah. it was good. By the way, there's a Winger song on here that doesn't count. Winger, uh, but there's a King's X song on there that's fantastic. But my favorite part. So there's two two favorite parts. I, can't, I love talking about this soundtrack. Uh, so first of all, in the Battle of the Bands at the end, you know who precedes them before they go on and sing God gave rock and roll to you. Is it chili peppers? It's Primus. Ah, Primus Primus comes out there and does Tommy the cat, which is a fucking awesome song. It's like Mm -hmm. one of their best songs ever. And he's like, say baby, do you want to lay down with me? Say baby, say baby. Okay. But uh, then they come out and they have this big thing. And it's the God gave rock and roll to you, which was a Christian rock song. Argent (laughs) did it. Then Petra did it, and yep. then Kiss performed it for this under the guise of Bill and Ted. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the while they're playing this, before, yes, before they play this, they have to defeat the evil robot versions of themselves. That's right. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. The the good robots that Station built, the Martian, the alien, he built the good robots that had to beat the evil Bill and Ted's, and they kill him, and then they do the God gave rock and roll, and it's oh, it's fun. <laughs> it's a fun movie because of the the music. It's yeah. <laughs> now I want to see it again and look at look like, at it through Barrett's eyes. I feel like give me the cash. Give me the cash. <laughs> give me the cash. Um, I it's funny because it shows every role that uh, any actor's done. He was in the Rush Rush video for Paul Abdul. That's a good um, video. Yeah, you know what. <laughs> Do you know what the best um, Petra song ever is? What is? Hold on. Is it like a famous one? Probably. It's Judas Kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the guitar lick is... Just like Judas kissed. Man, that song fucking (laughs) ruled. They got so watered down as they went on. (laughs) Their early albums were actually rock. Um, and by the time I was going to see him in concert in like the late eighties, they were already like, they were already like the Rolling Stones, man. They were just like watering it down for the olds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet they were banging hotties in the back. But this yeah, is also, probably. I mean, uh, Greg X Volt had left the band and we had John Schlitt singing then by then. And it just wasn't the same. I never got to see him in concert when they were actual like hard rock. Anyway. They were, they were banging chicks back there, right? Got to been, man. I mean, how could it be any different than today? You would like, think that almost everything that any other rock band does, they did. Only they, did. they went to church. Yeah. And asked forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> how can you possibly, how can you possibly be a rock band that has women just constantly probably like throwing themselves at you? And so they're you're playing just like, arenas, nah, right? You're telling me I, Bill Gaither never took a BJ in the green room? Right. Come on. <laughs> I shouldn't have used Bill where I'm going, I'll take a shot in the mouth. I shouldn't have <laughs> used Bill Gaither. Um, the Rush um, Rush song, by the way, uh, is off of Paula Abdul's second album, After Forever, Your Girl, Spellbound. And Spellbound, I think, has been unfairly derided. Oh, yeah? Um, Relative to Forever Your Girl. Forever Your Girl is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Spellbound mm-hmm. was very, very good, too. I'm just over here singing Paul Abdul's <laughs> yes. I like me some Paul Abdul. Uh, I did back in the day. I mean, when I was when I was younger, I, I used to listen to all that stuff mm-hmm. back then. Uh, the next movie I see on the list that I have watched is Bram Stoker's Dracula. I recently mm-hmm. popped this in as a background movie. This is not a background movie. <laughs> Rare, rarely do i say this about almost anything this is not a background movie because this this movie is fucking weird man it is. i mean it's all over the place fucking weird all over it, like i had it on the background and every time i looked up there was something new insane going on on the screen like just make i mean like wow in, how crazy is this movie and francis <laughs> ford coppola did this movie I'm yeah. glad he did. I think uh, I think his eye was was still attuned. Man, this movie's beautiful. It's colorful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Costumes are amazing. The worst part about this movie is the acting, except for Gary Oldman. 
Yeah. Any, I and, both, but, uh, this is one of many collaborations between Keanu and Winona Ryder. Mm-hmm. Uh, it the, the, just ain't for them, man. This just ain't for them. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman is good, but in the, in the way that he is keeping up with the insanity of the movie. Good. Yes. Like I, I, like I can't even, ima- I can't imagine if this mood, this is a good performance in another Dracula movie. Like put him in any other kind of Dracula movie would that, would this performance be good? He's just as over the top as anybody else. Cause That's you true. know, hey, Gary Oldman is, is like that. He's capable of getting unhinged and I'm just, I'm just going to do whatever. And he, he does can carry off the accent though. It's funny when he first, uh, introduces himself, I believe he goes like, it's when he's in his old man with the, the, the poofy hair. And he's mm-hmm. like, I am Dracul. <laughs> yes and i'm like what the fuck dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, man and the way that like uh he like uh, takes a drop of blood off of keanu's uh hand or something like that and he's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 yes i agree with you that it probably wouldn't work in a in a less over-the-top thing but i think it works perfectly here he's i just think to- the other ones can't keep up yeah, Keanu Reeves is is trying to play the audience in this because you know he's Jonathan Harker. He's he's the you know he's the guy who comes in and and he's like the rest of us. Boy, this is really fucked up, isn't it? You know. Um, and, and but the problem is, is he just he just I mean I don't know. He he's just Jonathan Harker. He can't keep up with it. Um. And I do I, real quick want to, sorry, I did want to say uh, my own private Idaho came before this and I did see that one time in college. And oh, I, I forgot, remember, I skipped over that. Sorry. I don't remember anything about it except that they're uh, like street hustlers and they take like a road trip. And I've, it's seen, I've seen my own private Idaho. I just skipped over it. Um, oh, okay. <clears throat> but I have, I, I'm like you, I haven't seen it in forever, so I don't remember anything about it. What about yeah. you, Barrett? Yeah. Uh, River Phoenix and, uh, Keanu Reeves. I think it's River Phoenix's character that his mom, he's trying to find his mom. They're both like drug addicts, hustlers, part-time prostitutes. And, uh, they're trying to find his mom. And yeah, that's what the road trip is, is trying to get out of that life and everything. And I think they're offered a way out of that life, uh, to be, you know, the, sugar daddy sugar son <laughs> i don't know i don't know <laughs> i don't know what the opposite of a sugar daddy is is it the sugar sugar boy they're offered to be sugar boys or something like that i, I imagine you don't want to google that term <laughs> oh no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna and uh <laughs> one of them wants to do it and the other one doesn't uh but man now this is a movie this is a movie and there's a few of these especially early in his career where he's fantastic. Keanu is fantastic in this. He's not asked to do much, but he's not the dim bulb Ted character. He's like an authentic character. And maybe some of that has to, to do with acting across from River Phoenix, a contemporary who's just naturally as gifted as anybody at that point, who's an actual friend to him too. Uh, so I don't know, but it's a great performance. It's a, it's a good movie. This is Gus Van Zandt, right? Yep. Well, um, and uh, so it's a good movie. Uh, it's it's not, you know, happy go lucky and like, you know, we'll we'll lift your spirits, but uh, it's good. 
next on the list, he plays the scheming Don John in Much Ado About Nothing. And again, we look, it, there's that just th- there's three movies within six years here where he, it's a it's a period piece and he just can't he just doesn't seem right in the role. Uh, I haven't seen Much Ado About Nothing in forever, but I just remember I, I saw it in college again, I think. So I've seen it in theaters and then I saw it in college because some drama teacher wanted to show it. Uh, and like just Keanu is just always seething. He's always just, I'm a bad. He's like, uh, he's like, Hey Keanu, you're playing a bad guy. Okay. I'm always bad. Then I'm always <laughs> going to show how bad I am. And I'm going to be seething under the surface. Everything I say is going to be an asshole thing. And you know, so like, that's what it comes off as. There's no humanity underneath. There's just, just an evil dude trying to get, you know, and Much Ado About Nothing is one of Shakespeare's, you know, lighter uh, plays. It's a comedy. Yeah, so, he's, he's trying he's, he's trying a little too much. He's trying to undermine Count Claudio, who is, I believe, the Kenneth Browner character. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you ever, did you guys ever do, uh, did your high school or college ever do Shakespeare? I don't think there um, was any Shakespeare while I was at my high school, no. No, we, uh, no. We I did, mean, uh, I've seen plenty of Shakespeare, but we didn't ever do it in high school or college. We did uh, Comedy of Errors and uh, Twelfth Night, As You Like It. Somebody, it's another comedy. Maybe it wasn't much to do about nothing. But, and God bless her, our, our uh, drama teacher was really trying to push us, was really trying to get the, the most out of the, this arcane language uh, that's still beautiful. But but it was high schoolers trying to breathe life into these words written in the uh, what sixteen seventeen hundreds, and it just you just couldn't make it work. You were focused on the words and the verbiage and the and getting it out there. And like maybe you'll emphasize one word because you underlined it in the script. That's what this Keanu Reeves performance is. He's mm-hmm. like, and and there's one scene where he's getting a massage by his man servant by his man man and mm-hmm. he's getting a massage and all of a sudden he pops up from the table and he's like oh fie thee or whatever <laughs> it is and uh and and then he goes into his his speech and he's like my lord and he's like ah fie and it just it's him trying to blurt these words off that were probably given to him right before he filmed the scene <laughs> and then yeah. when he gets through the scene he gets right back to the script yeah 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 like William Hurt's uh, advice in broadcast news, try and find one word or phrase to punch in each sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Much Ado About Nothing is a good movie. Again, yes, it's it it's just him. He's just kind of, it's not it's not for him, I don't think. Uh, God bless him for trying, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, can't, can't blame him for that. Um, then uh, you said you saw Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, right? Another mm-hmm. uh, Gus Van Another Sand? Another Gus Van Sand. I, I never saw this. No exception to the I never saw this. It's got a 4.4 on the IMDb. I remember it. Well, it's not great. It's about a girl with a giant thumb, right? Giant thumb. She hitchhiked. And she yeah. runs into all kinds of uh, people. When, when was this? 93. This is literally right before Pulp Fiction for Uma. Mm-hmm. And it's another Uma uh, Keanu collaboration. Yeah. Uh, Lorraine Bracco, uh, one of the other Phoenixes, Rain, is in this. 
Sean Young, Carol Kane, Roseanne. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a road trip basically. Right. And I think Keanu's only likes road trips. Yeah. I think Keanu's only in it uh, for a brief period. Uh, no, but, it's uh, definitely, uh, he's a side character. Oh, and Crispin Glover is back in there too. Oh, some weird friends of the show today. Uh, Pat Morita's in it. <laughs> Well, and that. John Hurt. Wow. I need go. to watch this movie again for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I never saw it. Uh, and it's and it's uh, got a bad rating. And I guess if you're a Gus Van Sant completionist, that you that's the only reason you'd want to watch this. <laughs> uh, Little Buddha, which is Bernardo Bertolucci. Uh, I never mm-hmm. saw that. Uh, but had, did you guys ever see Little Buddha? Mm-hmm. I did. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, this is all I remember from that movie is. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. Was there a, was there a point where Keanu was about to have sex and he needed somebody to help guide his penis in? No, maybe. <laughs> uh, but let me tell you this: you know who's even worse in this movie and out of place than Keanu is Bridget Fonda. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> yeah, and I love me some Bridget Fonda. I would not recommend this movie. And uh, you know, Bertolucci's got some. You know, he's got a good track record, but no, uh, this one was. Yeah, <laughs> I guess there wasn't. I guess there wasn't such a scene because it's PG, but it's implied. It's implied off screen that he needed help putting his penis in somewhere at some Can point. You help me? Sure. Can um, you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? Help me! Help you! Um, nineteen ninety four. This is where I really, really got on board with Keanu Reeves. I love speed. Uh, I love speed. I love heroin. (laughs) Uh, movie came out in the summer. Um, it did decently well. I think it's, you could consider it a hit, but there were, I don't know. There were a lot of people who, who sort of poo pooed this movie when it came out. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's because the premise is just too hard to get on board with for some reason, the whole keep the bus above 50 and, and all that, but I don't know. I think I think once you're once you just get beyond that, this is a great action movie. This is this is absolutely a classic action movie. Jan de Bont was uh, was a cinematographer on Die Hard and many other stuff, many other things before he directed this movie. And there's just some he he does it with some verve. And this is Keanu Reeves exactly like this is the perfect role for him. Uh, and there's never one time where you're sitting there going, I wouldn't want to do what this guy is asking me to do in this movie. Cause he's completely in charge the, uh, this whole time. Uh, it, and it's not just the bus. It starts off with that great elevator bomb thing. Yep. Uh, introduces us to Dennis Hopper early on. Dennis Hopper is fantastic in this. Um, uh, the, the elevator thing's great. The bus thing is great. Of course, that's the main part of the movie. And then there's a whole subway thing at the end yep. that I thought was really good. You want to know uh, what I love about this movie is Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Um, like, the, I fell in love with her. Between this and Demolition Man. How could you not? Oh, my God. She's so fucking adorable in these two movies. Um, and their chemistry is really good. It is. And, like, like, he has zero chemistry with uh, Trinity in the Matrix movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Zero chemistry with Winona in the Destination Wedding movies. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give a lot of the credit to, to Bullock here, but they, you actually feel like they're kind of like having a spark. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love that movie. I'm so, I'm still, 
Speed Two is still one that I would redo if I had a time travel device. Like yeah. I would love to see Speed Two with Keanu back in it, with the whole gang back together instead of some weirdo contract dispute Jason Patrick bullshit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's replace was... a charismatic guy with a with a guy who has very little charisma. Yeah. Yeah, that was that that was yeah. That was that's a movie that should never have been made. Um but yeah, Speed is great. It's it, it, as absurd as it is and of course the you know the big uh bus jumping across the incomplete part of the interstate is fucking absurd, but you know, it's it, it works as a movie, right? Like It, it does cuz everything else works. Like the whole get everybody on one side of the bus on the turn, the impossible curve. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, especially when they go up on the two wheels. The whole going to the airport. Um, now, what doesn't make sense is the fact that they're going through rush hour LA traffic up until then at 50 miles an hour. Yeah, or that's, more. that's impossible for sure. That's <laughs> definitely impossible. Um, uh, but they, you know, they also made all the bus passengers characters in this. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. Otter. Um, Alan Ruck is always fun, fun. And, uh, Beth Grant, who's like in every fucking thing in mm-hmm. the world. I hated her so much, but she's, she does a great job in this. Uh, but you know, cause they're, cause everybody, that's the part of speed that always gets me, man. They're like, well, we're going to let one person off the bus. Otherwise we're going to blow the bus. And like, they let the one person, the, the bus driver off because he got shot. And then like, Beth Grant like gets past Keanu Reeves and is like, I'm going to jump across. And all the guys are like, yeah, come, like on, come, on, come on, come, come on, come on. Fuck you, man. You yeah, the, rules. the people, yeah, exactly. The people on the other thing should be like, no lady. Yes, yes, no. Stay where you are. Yeah. And, uh, so anyway, yeah, speed is fucking fantastic. He's great uh, in it. And, uh, yeah. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about better help once again. Mm, yeah. Uh, listen, people. Listen. Listen to me. You want this in your life. You want this in your your existence. If you're having any sort of issues whatsoever with uh, sadness, depression, anxiety, nervousness, you can you can call it a bunch of different things. Okay. Uh, anger, PTSD, uh, PTSD leading to trauma, addiction. Some people call addiction like habits. If a habit has gotten out of control, you may need to talk to somebody. BetterHelp.com has a service that can counsel you on all of these issues, um, on getting through anger, stress, anxiety, um, getting along with your family, whom you may have been holed up with in a confined space for now six months for some of you out there, for some of us out there. If you need help with that, this is custom made for this time and place, people. You go to betterhelp.com, you sign up, and you answer a few questions. They match you to a licensed counselor. I just had to burp, sorry. They match you to a licensed counselor. There are thousands of these people. They're trying to to recruit more at at this point. There are millions of people that are signing up. Uh, and they match you to a counselor, and that person gets back to you. You schedule things. The worst part, or the hardest part of the therapeutic process, I'll say from experience, is the beginning. It's the beginning. It's starting that journey. It's figuring out where to go if they take your insurance, if you vibe with your counselor, uh, what the treatment plan is, 
uh, how to pay for it, all that stuff. It's at the beginning. BetterHelp, from my experience, makes that as easy as humanly possible from the comfort of your own home. It's fantastic. I get asked a lot about, uh, because I have written a few books that a few people have read, I'm by no means uh, Stephen King or any kind of author of note, but writing a novel is not easy. Chris, you've written a couple. um, And a lot of people ask me, how do you even start something so big? Like, it seems so daunting. And I I have compared it before in the past to uh, fitness or weight loss. Um, and it's similar to mental health. You, you have to just keep taking the next step and it, it's the cumulative effect that becomes an accomplishment. Uh, not any one single act. Nobody sits down and writes a novel in one day, unless they're <laughs> Stephen King, um, <laughs> you know, you don't go to one therapy session and come out and go, it's fixed. It's fixed. I've been to hundreds and I'm far from fixed, uh, but I'm in much better shape uh, and able to take care of myself uh, mentally uh, than I was before I ever started therapy. So as long as you understand it, it's a process you have to contribute to. Um, <clears throat> you know, BetterHelp is a huge resource, especially, but even outside of a pandemic. Um, and there's also, if you go to a special link, you can get 10% off your first month, right? Yeah. If you go to betterhelp.com slash syncast, H-E-L-P, Better com slash Sencast, 10% off your first month. I'm not kidding with you people. Listen to me. It's time to stop screwing around with your mental health. It is not the time to say, I'll deal with that later. Okay? If you've got issues, there's no reason for you to fiddle fart around and not address them. We're giving you a lifeline right here. Uh, you can try this out. If you don't like it, cancel it. I'm saying this in an ad, all right? But I bet you that this is something uh, that will be beneficial in some way to you. It certainly has been for me. It's been for millions of people. Uh, I've never heard somebody complain about the therapeutic process if they were participating appropriately. I'll just say that. Uh don't screw around with your mental health. If you've got something that you need to uh, work on, go to betterhelp.com slash sincast, 10% off your first month. Do it now. Don't delay. You've heard us talk about it. Today's the day. 1995, we have Johnny Mnemonic. Boy, is this movie a turd. Um, <laughs> I wanted to love it. <laughs> in, it's from William Gibson. You'd think, you know, with that pedigree. And he actually wrote the screenplay too. Um, uh, Johnny Mnemonic is in the distant future of 2021, 2021 Ooh. baby. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Keanu Reeves plays a courier for information. He can hold up to 80 gigs. Oh, oh no! Eighty gigs. And oh can, my God! If he has a, if he has one, if he has a modifier, he can double it to one hundred and sixty. <laughs> Problem <gasps> is, you can't go over the one hundred and sixty. And he goes to this one. The, the the job he's going to, they want to put three hundred and twenty gigs into his into his body. That's twice as much. <laughs> twice as much as the double he's already done. And, <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, so like the movie never explains how he's able to retain the 160 extra gigs 
that go beyond his 160 gig capacity. Uh, but he does. And uh, you're told early on that that's bad. That's a bad thing. Mm, if he, bad. If, yeah. So he's got 24 hours to find uh, a place to dump it off. Problem is, it's his the information he has is so goddamn important that everybody in the world wants to kill him uh, for the information and keep it for themselves. Because it's the cure for this disease that the movie explains at the beginning with some text. And, uh, and I don't, it's some nervous system thing. Um, and, uh, uh, joining him on this trip to wherever he needs to go to dump this information is Dina Meyer, an unsung, oh, yeah. an unsung nineties hottie who was yeah. in starship troopers. Um, but, um, she's playing a bodyguard who has this, uh, disease, this nervous system disease. And, uh, so yeah, he's got to find somebody he can trust to get the information out. It's one of those movies that feels really suit like, like the way they made it and everything looks, feels really futuristic. And like, you know, this is a, this is our true sci-fi thing, but then you just break it down. It's, Oh, it's a dude who can, who can carry get like 160 gigs of information on in his brain. Didn't he like carve out his childhood or something to make room for the data? He, he like removed a chunk of his memory, like his own memory to make room for this. It's possible. I don't remember, but, <laughs> but like I, the, the thing for me was just the fact that he had only the capacity for 160. Yep. And I was like, where's that other 160 going? Is it he's going to have like an adapter thing? hanging out of his like back lap? <laughs> yeah. He's got a little flash drive, drive up his nose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, but it feels like, oh yeah, man, storing information on somebody's head—that's so futuristic. And then, like, there's not really el- anything else that in that movie that's like just super. Wow, that's the future, huh? Like, oh, we're gonna get to talk to each other on video screens. Amazing, you know, amazing. It's nothing like that. that really, would never happen. Right? There's nothing really like, like revolutionary about it uh at all uh it it looks like a sci it looks like a good futuristic sci-fi premise and i'm always a sucker for that shit mm-hmm. but man mm-hmm. this movie is not good it's not good man well, i also i also saw a walk in the clouds in 1995 Any of you guys seen this yep Mm-mm. Nope. This is actually the trailer. When I saw the trailer, all I heard was, do not watch this movie, Jeremy. You will hate it. Oh, so is that you caught the subliminal messages from the <laughs> yeah. marketing people? I yeah. am um, a World War II agent. Yeah, yes. Uh, the, the trailers were very adamant that Keanu was being very serious in this movie. Yes, Don't you is. see how special she is? <laughs> um <laughs> Um. Uh, hey, this is the first maybe. Is this the first rom romance that uh, Keanu has done? Like straight up romance? Yeah, maybe. I think so. I think that's probably right. He tries it there again with the Lake House later on. Yeah, he does quite a few later, like Sweet November and all that. But yeah, but this uh, I don't think Street that's Kings. His Street Kings. Yeah, Street uh, Kings for sure. I don't think that's his wheelhouse. Like he's hunk hunky. And mm. he's sweet, but I don't, I don't like, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't yeah. like romantic Keanu. Keanu Reeves uh, meets uh, a girl played by, played by Aitana Sanchez Gijon, who was a, who I was uh, very much crushing on back in the day uh, when this movie came out. But 
um, she reveals to Keanu Reeves that she's pregnant and that her dad, um, Giancarlo Giannini, uh, will, will be highly upset and disown her if uh, he finds out that she's pregnant. So he poses as uh, pregnant without uh, being married. So he poses as her husband or would be husband. I can't remember if he's, he's pretending like they're married or not, but uh, one thing that Jeremy might like about this is that uh, they show the, uh, the, the process of wine making. Oh, um, and so, so there's like, uh, there's points where like, uh, uh, they, they throw a bunch of grapes in this big, huge vat and everybody goes around like crush the grapes, crush the grapes. And everybody just dances on the grapes and okay. smashes them and stuff. And Itana Sanchez Guijon does it and it's hot. It's hot. <laughs> oh, it's hot. All right. That's how I make all my right. wine. I but here's a it. little, here's a little piece of trivia. Yeah. Walk in the Clouds was directed uh, by uh, Alfonso Arau. Yeah. Arau. Yep. He played El Guapo in Three Amigos. He did. Oh, I remember. <laughs> he turned. Yeah, he turned into a like a fairly prolific director, right? Yeah, he, for like Water for Chocolate is his uh, right. most well known right. movie, I think. Uh, but yes, he played El Guapo. Uh, <laughs> it's prune, a sweater. We pulled yes. the hedges. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. Um, does amigos fall from the sky? <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Only kill one of them. <laughs> oh, this is fun. The oh. next one is Chain Reaction, a movie I have not seen since it came out. But, but uh, I was hyped because this was the directorial debut, I think, of the dude that wrote The Fugitive, right? Oh, no. Uh, Andrew Davis, I believe, directed this. Who was the director of The Fugitive? Okay, so right, I, right, yeah, I, yeah. I knew it was a Fugitive connection, and that's why I was hyped uh, to see it. And boy, is this the opposite I believe of this is a follow-up, though, to The Fugitive. I think it was the next movie. It's also yeah. a Chicago movie. There's a lot of Keanu movies that are set in Chicago. Uh, well oh, he, did, he did steel big steel little before this but okay <laughs> so <laughs> but um but yeah a chain reaction um morgan freeman rachel vice uh something about energy that's all i know i don't know why this this didn't work he's a, it's an action movie he, well, i guess he's playing like a nerd researcher and i don't mm. think that that comes off um maybe he, i mean it's he's not really, really heroic he's not actiony or anything like that i guess that's why this kind of falters yeah i don't know i don't know if it's you can blame keanu for a movie like this or if it's just the movie itself i mean you got morgan freeman in there too so um it's mm-hmm. it's not awful i remember it being very hyper edited do you remember mm-hmm. that jeremy like it, it seemed like I everything just was just super quick everyone constantly running there's yeah, lots yeah, of yeah, running. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. running. Yeah. Running all the time. Like Tom Cruise should have been in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and no, I haven't the, seen it in 20 years. And of course the trailer has them like swirling around on the ice. <laughs> I've mentioned this before, but Rachel Weiss is like, what are you doing? And he's like, the best I can. Yeah. <laughs> the best I can. <laughs> we just can't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, back in 1994, I thought I was the only person who noticed that Kynes line was so funny. And then, like, I don't know, it was a decade le- Like, I actually ran into somebody else in the 90s who thought that was funny. And then, like, 
decade or so later it was like that was a thing like everybody was like that that's just code for speed you know <laughs> that's how people that's how people get speed on the streets too when they go to the yeah. drug dealers they're like it's only cans hey, oh i know what, what are you, you looking for you got any cans <laughs> Uh, the uh, next movie in 1996, Feeling Minnesota. I did see this. Did any of you see this? Mm-hmm. I did. Um, uh, I don't remember yeah. much about it. Oh, this I is uh, Cami Diaz, right? And uh, yep. it isn't D'Onofrio playing his brother or something or his friend? Yes. And they're both. I think it's his brother. They're both yeah, knocking on Clayton. Cameron Diaz. The only thing I remember about this is there's a because Cameron Diaz is supposed to marry somebody else, I think at the beginning of the movie. And then she corners Keanu in a barn or something. And, uh, and like they start making out and everything. And then she like gets on top of him and she goes bullseye. <laughs> That's all I remember about feeling Minnesota. I, you know what? Try that next time. Cameron Diaz and Delroy Lindo are both in feeling Minnesota and the next year's a life less ordinary. Yeah. Is that the one with uh, Ewan McGregor? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because when I first, when you first brought up Feeling Minnesota, I thought, oh, the Ewan McGregor one. And then I had to double check myself. And they were just back to back. I can under very oh. difficult circumstances. <laughs> exactly. But I didn't realize Delroy Lindo was in both of those movies. Wow, <laughs> that's weird. Uh, so uh, is Dan Aykroyd and Courtney Love are in Feeling Minnesota. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. Yeah, they got a pretty good cast for this. Uh, Steven Bagelman, I don't know who that is. Um, he makes a mean bagel. He he's does. Bagel man. That's his only movie he's ever directed. Wow! And he got that cast. They ran the Bagel Man out of L.A. After they did. They did. Uh, what's the next one on the list that you guys see that that uh, you've watched? Devil's Advocate. Well, I actually saw the last time I committed suicide. That's the Neil uh, Cassidy uh, thing. It's okay. I, I think he did this instead of doing Speed Two, which is weird. It's a okay. very, uh, it's a very low budget, uh, look at like a, uh, uh, the beginning of the beat generation. So this is Neil Cassidy writing a letter to, uh, Jack Kerouac and he's writing about his, his girl, uh, played by Claire Forlani. And, uh, she actually attempted suicide, came out the other side and decided to leave him. Uh, meanwhile, I believe he's hooking up with. Betty Page, Betty Page, Gretchen Mall, Gretchen Mall, and uh, his buddy, who's not playing one of the famous beat guys because this is before that, is uh, Punisher, is Thomas Jane. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good cast. It's a very insular story. It's not very well done, though. It feels like a Gus Van Zandt movie, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, but I don't think that's who did it. No, it was uh, somebody named Stephen K, I think. Stephen K did get Carter and he's mm. uh, apparently done some episodes of Friday night lights and sons of Ariana. He did boogeyman. That's a terrible movie. Uh, no, hold on. It's, it's Thomas Jane. That's playing Neil Cassidy and Keanu is playing the friend and he's mm. not, he's not good in this. He's trying to stretch a little bit too much. He's trying to, trying to uh, act. Mm. Don't try to act. Keanu. <laughs> Uh, the devil's advocate came out in 1997 and, and now we're going to talk about... 45 minutes about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's, yeah. he's lowering his desk so he yeah. can sit down, get into oh, some devil, get into devil's advocate stance. Haven't we already about... said everything there is to say? No, there's so much that. more. No, there's so <laughs> much <laughs> more. It really isn't. 
There's really so much more. There's so much mm-hmm. subtext to that. This is one of the most perfect movies I've ever seen. I've never no. seen a movie so rewatchable. No. Uh, look, you got – it's the perfect mix of greatness and badness. Mm-hmm. And Pacino okay, and Pacino and and Keanu trying to do that wonderfully awful Southern accent. Mm-hmm. I just – I want to mm-hmm. be – I want to live through this entire set. I want to live through the production of the devil's advocate and, and do it on a time loop. Like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, ground groundhog day. I want to experience yeah. it. I want to see what Keanu said to, uh, to Pacino when the camera stopped during that monologue, did he walk away from him or did he go up to him and be like, Whoa, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you do uh, that? <laughs> How yeah. long was Connie Nielsen naked in the corner, <laughs> like ready to come out and do her Jesus pose? When, when, how did she keep a straight face when, when Pacino patted her belly and he was like, she's ovulating? <laughs> <laughs> the, the movie embraces the badness like in unlike any other movie before it i think like uh it still somehow manages to make it seem like it's on a top shelf uh even though it's not it's it's definitely bottom shelf but it's 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 got the appearance of a top shelf um uh it's insanely watchable uh all the way through uh and yeah, Keanu Reeves is, this is, uh, this is a perfect role for him, right? Like this is just because everything is so insane and he is actually in this case, matching the insanity with that Southern accent and, <laughs> and everything. Um, uh, uh, I'll lose. I win. I win. That's what I do. <laughs> Al Pacino is, you know, of course, hamming it up. He's a, he's got a sin of a woman Oscar. Now he's just, that's all he's going to do from now on in his life is, is he's going to yell Kevin. Oh, he uh, does, but no, 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 no. He's, he saves the yelling up until that last bit. He's channeling his rage into that last monologue. Like sure. even when he gets threatened by the dude on the subway, uh, where he's, he's just, he's staring at this dude. He's under, he's doing the subway thing. This is a great scene. I want to deconstruct the scene. So he's staring, he's on the subway. They're both holding on to the poles. They're not sitting down. And he's talking to him and he's like, he's, he's talking about Craig T. Nelson. And he's like, he's got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. And he's looking straight at this dude and the dude pulls out a knife. And, and what the funny thing was is that Keanu doesn't run away. He's like, Oh shit, John. And like, he just ducks his head, but still holds on to the pole. He doesn't move <laughs> at all. And then uh, Pacino goes on to, to tell him in Spanish that his, his girlfriend is being fucked in the ass by his friend on his new bedspread. Swear to God. No, this is real. This actually happened in the movie. It's fucked in the ass uh, by on his new bedspread and she's going to enjoy it. And this somehow convinces dude with the knife to say like, you know what? I can turn around and probably catch him in the act right now. He's like, use that knife on somebody who deserves it. And I don't know if it's going into his wife or his, his, his buddy or both. Maybe, maybe so. But like that works. And he just walks off. And as soon as he walks off, Pacino looks at Kevin. He's like, accelerating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, Jesus. He has on his new bedspread. 
and he's smiling uh, when he's saying this. It's 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 gorgeous. Yeah. It's so uh good. yeah. Uh obviously Barrett and I love Devil's Advocate and Jeremy's wrong. And uh <laughs> so um But you've only seen it like a couple of times, right? Yeah, I've are seen you, it like twice. I get what you guys are saying. It's with, when you start talking about the perfect mix of bad and good, I'm all there. But the earlier when you first started, you called it a perfect movie, and I can't, I can't not object to that. Uh, <laughs> careful, careful. A perfect movie can be a mix of good and bad, for sure. For for no. for for sure. Well, I don't think so. I th- I can think of only one example, and it's this movie. <laughs> So then it's the exception that proves the rule. That it really happen. does. I mean, I can't think of any movie that like I've I've found so ludicrous but enjoyed so much. Have you seen Lockout? You know what? Lockout was on the uh the list to maybe watch for family movie night the other day. Oh Jesus, I would not show that to your kid. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's the space it's prison that, movie. It's that guy what? Pierce uh, space prison. And uh, a hot girl from Lost. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of those. Evangeline Lilly, she, uh, Grace, uh, Emily DeRaven. Oh, oh, Maggie Grace. Maggie Grace. Uh, Maggie yeah, this Grace. is the one that got sued by for ripping off uh, um, John Carpenter's uh, New York Escape from New York. Yeah. Oh, okay. What? The, by the <clears throat> way, I'm sorry. I have to ask this because otherwise it would never come up in conversation. What happened to Emily? Derevin. She was in another movie that my wife saw, and that was it. Then she now she rents mopeds in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of, of uh, the born identity. <laughs> she rents mopeds in Greece. <laughs> I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> oh my god. Well, she was looking uh, it up there for a little while. Let's let's take a look at her filmography real quick. Twenty six projects, and she's gorgeous. Uh, yeah, she is. Uh, nothing like huge since Lost. Um, she's in Once Upon a Time. If you watch that, the show. Yeah, the show. I wonder if that's still gone. Is that still gone? Uh, it says that. God, it I ended, hope not. It ended in two thousand eighteen. It went from two thousand twelve to two thousand eighteen. She is credited on 117 episodes, but who knows how many she actually was on. But that was her last big thing. Okay. Hmm. Well, all right. God bless uh, her. I think, I think we're going to do two parts on Keanu Reeves. We're going to end this with The Matrix, I think. I think that's probably the, the way to go here because we want to get to some recommends and stuff like that. So Sure. Sure. Um, uh, right after he does Devil's Advocate, he, he parlayed all of that success into the matrix uh he has the devil's advocate to thank for the matrix it's funny if you look at it you know because he you know last time i committed suicide and devil's advocate were both released in 97 and imdb it skips 98 to go to the matrix and it's tempting to think well he took a year off but um i'm pretty sure the matrix probably took a year or more to film yeah sure um given the complexity of that so uh i don't think he took any time off at all uh, this is by far my favorite Keanu movie because it is my favorite movie of all time. <clears throat> and I do think it's awesome that it's sandwiched between the devil's advocate and the replacements. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to talk about replacements too. Uh, but no, I mean, this is 99. This is, uh, 
The trailer made me laugh. I thought it was dumb. People running <laughs> on the walls because I did not realize there was an explanation for all that. I thought it was like some kind of, you know what I thought it was when I saw the trailer? Uh, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, like that kind of like pseudo superhero bullshit mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh, he's been injected with a serum and he can he can run on ceilings now or what have you. But right. then once the, once the Matrix lays out its exquisite hook, then all the action from the trailer that you see afterwards makes perfect sense and is is now thrilling instead of silly. Uh, and, you know, like Barrett and Devil's Advocate, I could talk for hours about this movie. But unlike Devil's Advocate, this movie is actually awesome all the way through. Not because it's bad and good. The only bad thing in this movie. Guy. The, the only bad thing in this movie is that line reading that switch gives right before she dies when she says not like this and falls over. That's the only <laughs> bad thing in the whole movie. I don't even, I, I haven't even recognized that as a bad line reading. Uh, is that a thing that people bring up about this? No, movie? I, I've never heard anyone say it, but me, but it always makes me cringe and it may not be a line reading thing. It may have been a intentional uh, direction, but yeah, uh, but uh, the, the same thing for me when I saw the trailers, even though, I thought a lot of the things that were in the trailer were awesome. The thing that I was a little worried about, and and I had been in movie theaters long enough at this point uh, to realize release dates mattered a lot. And mm. this was late March, early April when The Matrix was coming out. Typically, uh, around that time, not a great release date for any movie coming out. Um uh, because it was, it always meant not good enough for the summer, and it was trying to get a head start on anything that was coming out in May, and we're coming out with this in April, and maybe this will have a shot of getting an audience and everything. And little did they know what they had here. Now they were avoiding May also because the Phantom Menace was coming out that mm. year. Um, everybody was avoiding like May. I think there may have been one movie that came out in the first week and then Phantom Menace came out Memorial day. Is that how that worked? The 19th. Um, Yeah. I think it was, I I think that's how that worked was uh, maybe you had one movie and then there was like a gap there where nothing came out because nothing wanted to compete with the Phantom Menace. And, um, and so, yeah, that was part of, that was part of it. But I just remember the, the release date and I was like, Oh, late March, early April. I don't know if this has much of a chance, of course. And then I think that, and and like that, that week just before the end of March, that's become a great release date for a lot of movies. You see a lot of like hunger games and stuff like that come out during that time. But this was the week after that, I believe is when the matrix came out. Also had the, the power of that, even though the trailer was laughable, it did have that super bowl trailer that showed the bullet time for the first time. Mm-hmm. It was a wow moment. And then there was the whoa and all that stuff. And yes, it was derided, but that bullet time thing looked like it kicked ass. And it did. It did indeed come out March 31st. So that was not a good like release date for a movie like that. And it, uh, it uh, broke all expectations because, you know, people watched it and said, Hey, this is pretty badass, um, and uh, and it lasted like the thing about the Matrix is that it lasted well into the summer. It um it went it you know like in its it was in its what seventh week by the time time Phantom Menace came out, and I'm pretty sure it was still doing pretty kick ass business. Was it still point. in the theater when uh, Phantom Menace? Came oh yeah, out? 
Yeah, hell oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, wow. But because I started Hollywood twenty seven at that point, and I was usher manager and all that shit during that time, and uh, and I remember going in to clean the Matrix a lot of times, and like you know hearing that do 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 I was like, God damn, this movie's still playing. I forgot that this, like how long this movie had been playing at the time when I, when I, when I was like, Jesus, this is like a phenomenon Mm -hmm. here. Um, and, uh, I want to look at the, uh, box office mojo here and see what the week by week was on this. Cause let's see. uh, Opening weekend was 27 million. Of course, that's back in 1999 where that's amazing. Uh, so yeah, it shows April 2nd through the 4th, 27 million. And it had made 10 million March 31st to April 2nd. So it, it was a Wednesday that I think this opened. Um, the Easter weekend, oh, for the whole Easter weekend, it made 31 million. Following week made 22. And by the time it got to where Star Wars was coming out, it was making 2.8. But by that point, it had made 149 million domestically. That ain't um, bad. Yeah, it's not bad at all. And you're, you're again, you're talking about 1999, where, uh, you know, even something like Titanic opened at 20 something million. So it's, you know, uh, that's that's actually really good. And it, and and to keep on making 2.8, 2.8, and it actually increased its business at one point. Oh, Memorial Day weekend. That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to keep doing that over and over in its eighth and ninth weekend, pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, matrix is, is pretty badass. I still haven't gotten on Jeremy's matrix reloaded and revolutions are better than you think train yet. Uh, but, um, maybe we can discuss that next time. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Next time. So that's, that's part one of Keanu Reeves. We'll get to part two of it on the next, uh, on the next episode. Uh, you want to get to get to some recommends and warrants? Totes amazeballs. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Chua. I would like to buy the hot, the hot, the home, huh? Chua. Hey, you want, can I go first? Go ahead. Okay. I got a warn. Ooh. I got a big warn. I got, well, I got a medium warn. Okay. So I, I forced myself to watch uh, Last Christmas. <laughs> Mm. This is the Amelia Clark, Henry Golding movie that Jeremy called Khaleesi DeCisi. I saw in that trailer a little bit more than what you guys did. I actually saw like a little bit more nuance. It's Paul Feig, who I dig, uh, except for Ghostbusters. Uh, And I'm like, man, maybe there's something more here than just a traditional rom-com. I was right. Okay. The problem is there's a lot more. There's too much more in this movie than should be in this movie. I'll give you a summary of it. So the movie is about uh, health crises. It's about homelessness. It's about the holiday spirit. It's about lesbians. It's about family. It's about Mm -hmm. immigration Mm -hmm. and bigotry. It's about Mm -hmm. alcoholism. And then there's uh, George Michael. Mm. That's the George movie. Michael. That's the mm-hmm. movie. It's got all that in there. It's got all that in there. And it's mm-hmm. too much. If he just pared it down a little bit and had, oh, and then there's a twist. I want to spoil the fuck out of this movie, but I'm not going to uh, because it's a little bit, it's really, literally the only interesting thing 
about this movie is a little bit of a twist. Uh, but it's, it's, it's too much. I just want a little bit of this, a little slice. There's, there's literally like two scenes in which there's rampant xenophobia. Uh, because uh, uh, Emma Thompson, who plays Amelia Clark's mom, is from Croatia. They're all from Croatia, the whole family, and they're uh, they're they're persecuted. Uh, they the 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 UK folks want them out of their country. But there's only two scenes of it, and like I, I realize there's little hints and reminders and microaggressions and stuff like that. I'm not belittling that, but it's just thrown in as just kind of like an extra dash of pepper or cayenne or whatever to this soup that has too many ingredients. And all you want to see is Amelia Clark, who is absolutely adorable in this movie. Just be her mess of a self and Henry Golding be his, uh, his knight chivalrous knight of himself uh, and a few other characters. It's just too much. It's too overstuffed. This is a movie that I should like, but I don't, I don't, I don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in case anybody out there was seeing, was seeing what I was saying, saying like, maybe there's some hope in this because Amelia Clark, by the way, Amelia Clark's eyebrows are like their own acting thing. They're long. Yeah. That was uh, their theme for a while. I think that she'd had like the ability to do some fucking weird shit with her eyebrows. She's, Mm -hmm. she's cartoonish. And I don't mean this in a bad way. She's literally, she'll take him up in a, it's almost like Jack Black where like she'll take him up into a weird shape. She'll do like this wave thing and mm-hmm. it's, it's good for whatever she needs. And boy, she fucks in this movie. She fucks everybody in this movie. Nice. Yeah, no, she fucks. She, she fucks and, and she wants to fuck more, but she can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's mm-hmm. a reason that she can't. Santa, Cause Santa doesn't fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, Santa is actually played by Michelle Yao. Uh, literally the, the owner of her little uh, Christmas shoppy. Uh, that she works in as an elf is mm-hmm. is named Santa, and that's Michelle Yao, and she falls in love with some some other dude. Is it is it the real Santa? No, her that's all I'm talking like, about. Santa, the real Santa doesn't fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh well, yeah. Uh, the the Santa in this movie fucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> now you're making me want to watch it. Reminds me, yeah, me too. For some for some reason, all of this talk of fucking reminds me of uh, the. Uh, there's that there's that throwaway line in entourage where like uh turtle is like sitting there going like do you think people were having sex like we we are right now back in the early days and he's like and and uh and kevin Dillon is like he's like of course they had sex back then turtle or else we wouldn't be here No, there's there's a there's a lot of uh, fucking. She's a she's a hot mess. She's homeless. She's a drunk, and she's fucking. And uh, yeah, but but her mom still loves her. By the way, she's got a great voice. And mm-hmm. the fact that they had George Michael music uh, peppered through this is like just the most mundane, silly thing ever. I want you guys to watch this to see what I'm talking about because it's just. It's just so much. It's so much. Anyway. Mm. Yeah, so that's a warrant. All right. Um, I'm going to recommend a movie that I saw back in 2006, and I didn't remember much about it. And since uh, I, I've grown to appreciate Darren Aronofsky a little bit more, 
over the over the years even though i really liked i liked pie and requiem for a dream but this one movie the fountain oh. i was um i did i did i watched this and i don't remember if i saw it in theaters i was in new york at the time when this movie came out and i and i don't even remember my experience like i don't remember if i watched it at my theater i don't think my theater got it uh, so I would have had to have gone out to watch this somewhere, and I don't remember my experience at all. All I remember is that I was like, this is just not for me. I just can't deal with this. But now... <laughs> I now, can't deal with this right now. No, I just couldn't. Uh, but now, having a chance to uh, revisit it, uh, popped it in the other day, and uh, I ended up uh, really liking it. I think there are some things that he does that are uh, that that can be just a little bit too much like too too arty at times too too um uh symbolic and whatever allegorical and whatever but uh I really did dig it this time and it's short too it's like an hour and a half hmm. um Hugh Jackman and this and Hugh Jackman had quite the year in 2006 this and the prestige <laughs> uh, he was also an X-Men The Last Stand. Uh, what else? Well, he was in some other movie in 2006 as well. But, um, but, uh, but he's, uh, he, he's, he's good at playing these obsessed guys in 2006. He's obsessed with uh, trying to find this cure for cancer. And Rachel Weisz is his, is his wife who's dying from it and everything. And they're in some sort of experimental uh, lab where they're uh, doing these experiments on monkeys and everything. And, and, uh, uh, he, he really wants to find this cure before she dies and he's obsessed with it. And they, the, the one that the one monkey that they're experimenting on, he tries to find some, some like, um, thing that they cut out of a tree and did experiments with way back in the day and it's against protocol because it's not approved or anything to, to, to do that. And he uses it on this monkey and the monkey is showing all this great, like cognitive, uh, improvement. Uh, but the cancer's not going away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he, he gets obsessed with like, not, he's like, we can't use this, but the, the discovery of that alone is amazing. And all of the scientists that are with him are like, you've got to do that. You got to like, keep looking at this drug right here because it's making people like lose years off of their life. Um, but he's like, no, we, we need to find this cure for cancer. Uh, but in the middle of all of this, uh, Rachel Weiss is writing a book, writing a story and the, the movie sort of cuts back and forth between him as this researcher and him as this like conquistador. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and it's the whole thing is an allegory for what's going on in the thing. He's trying to save, he's trying to save Rachel Vice, who plays a queen in this, in that story. Uh, he's, he's going to the ends of the earth to do it. Um, and, uh, and so they, the, these people have found, uh, where the tree of life is and they, they, uh, they want to, uh, find the tree of life and they have to conquer, you know, the people who are guarding it, um, and everything. So like the movie goes back and forth between this, uh, these two stories. And it's easy at first to just be like, what the fuck is this? Because, 
because are you're like is Hugh Jackman like is he like living and is he like Doctor Manhattan where he's like he lives in all these different? That's eras? what I was. That's exactly my thought when I saw this and, movie. And it, it's it's not that at all. It's 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 when he, whenever it shows him in the conquistador stuff, it's him reading that story and and she tells him, "I want you to finish this story." And he's like, "You're going to be able to finish it because I'm going to get this drug. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna help you out." But he keeps on. You know, the, the movie is really, uh, the movie like really, uh, covers like what it is. Like when someone is dying, try to spend as much time with that person as you can. Don't get sidetracked. You know, yes, finding a cure would be great, but try to live with that person and try to, you know, cause there's a point right at the beginning where Rachel Vice is like, come walk with me. It's the first snow of the year. And he's like, I gotta go work. I gotta go do this. And he, and he ends up missing a lot of things because he's trying to find this cure. Um, movie was way better than I remember it uh, when I first watched it, when I thought hmm. it was just kind of, I, I must've watched it under just extreme exhaustion. Uh, and I could have just not been ready for something like this at the time. So I guess uh, I highly recommend it. Isn't there a third vignette? Or is, am I dreaming that is, is there a, a third? Yeah, setting? it's, it's the it's i think it's still part of the story that he's reading or reading slash finishing yes there is he's he's sitting in front of the tree of life and his hair's all cut off and he's like he's like uh i am uh it's not it's not too long before i i join you and everything i was talking about this movie with some other people and and one guy had looked up some stuff about it and um and uh, he believes that the that Hugh Jackman himself is on his deathbed in this movie, and uh, mm. and uh, Rachel Vice has has died already, and that he is thinking back on his life and and you know here's what he should have done as he's about to join her in the afterlife. Um, movie is really really good. Like I said, it's it 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 took me. Like when I first watched it, I was like, nah, I don't like this. And then I, I, I didn't give it another chance for a really long time. But I looked it up on the IMDb and it was like seven point something. And I was like, huh, maybe this, maybe this movie's better than I'm giving it credit for. And it is. Yeah. I didn't get it the first time. J- Jeremy, did you see this? I've never seen it. I, I never, I, I only saw it the once too. And I think it was late at night, but I just didn't get that. I didn't either. I, I, <laughs> Especially the, you know, you, you watch the trailer, the trailer's awesome, by the way. Um, you watch the trailer and then you go watch the movie and the way it's presented, it makes it seem like Hugh Jackman is this person in the past and he's lived this long and, and it gets to the modern day and she is still alive. And, but now it's just that book she was I writing. See. Well, now with, uh, with that context, I'd love to rewatch this because I'd love any Aronofsky and mm-hmm. uh, I remember it being well done, but I like, I didn't get it because I'm yeah. done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend a movie that's from 2006 that oh. I had never seen. Also and... from 2006. Yeah. What? Also from 2006. Cause oh. mine was from 2006. I'm just copying you basically. Yeah. That's what I was um, thinking. <clears throat> here's a movie that 
I saw because I woke up one morning, came down, turned on my computer, turned on my office TV, and started flipping the movie channels. And the only one I had never seen before was Akila and the Bee. Oh, yeah. Young Kiki um, Palmer. This oh, movie wow. is not about bees. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yes, young Kiki Palmer. I finished this movie thinking that girl's adorable. I wonder if she's still acting. And the first thing I see when I Google is she's in Hustlers. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. That's a juxtaposition I didn't need. This is about uh, an 11 year old girl. I think she's 11. Um, in LA, uh, with single mother, Angela Bassett, who's outstanding. Um, and she shows um, some natural talent at spelling. Uh, at school and the principal i think it's the principal it might as well be the principal is played by curtis armstrong who is booger from revenge of the nerds mm-hmm. um <clears throat> who has had a much longer career than you realize yeah. uh, <laughs> he acts all the time and he's great in this but he hooks her up with Lawrence fishburne who went to the nationals as a speller when he was 13 and uh got knocked out in like the seventh round or whatever. This is the classic Fishburne role, by the way. It really is. Searching for Bobby Fisher and, and really yes. the matrix. Uh, yes. I mean, it's a classic Fishburne. I got vibes of karate kid and dead poet society in mm-hmm. this. Cause a lot of the story is that she wants to do this spelling thing, but her mother doesn't care about it. and Doesn't want her to do it because to, to do the spelling thing, she's got to take a bus across town by herself. And um, so, Basically, she lies to Angela Bassett and tells her she's not pursuing spelling anymore. Uh, Fishburne is a crusty old codger who uh, won't let her speak any words that aren't in the dictionary or use any um, hood lingo uh, and has demanding expectations of her and, and sends her away. Um, <clears throat> but she goes back another time humbly and says, yeah, you know, I want to learn. I need to learn, yada, yada, yada. I thought this movie would just be uh, a charming good time and maybe it is um i loved it i my wife came to check on me and said uh, usually you come out and visit me like you've been in here for an hour i'm like i'm really wrapped up in this freaking spelling bee movie um <clears throat> she has a friend that's a good speller and it goes with her to regionals and the nationals and she's got a rival whose dad is an asshole and in hindsight, it is it is very paint by numbers kind of storytelling, but it really moved me. And I think it might just be the performances uh, and the authenticity, like the the real fucking scripts. Howard Spelling Bee MC is in this movie playing oh. Spelling Bee MC. That dude's himself. no joke, man. I I used no. to watch that Spelling Bee every year, and that guy has his shit together. And her mnemonic device is time keeping time. If she's got a rhythm she can hear or feel, she can spell better. So when she's practicing, she jumps rope. And there's a moment on stage where she loses her place on a word, closes her eyes, and starts pantomiming, jumping rope to spell the rest of the word. And it cuts to Fishburne in the audience, grinning. I'm getting chills talking about it right now. And it may have just been the right day and the right time. And I was just open to it. Uh, but I really, really liked it. It's an 85 on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm not crazy. Um, and I had just never seen it. It came and went, and uh, I never got around to it. And if you're the same, I would recommend you check it out. I remember watching this, and I liked it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, well, these these uh, these Spelling Bee movies in, in general seem to be pretty good. Like, um uh, was it uh, Bad Words, the Jason yeah. Bateman one? That, yeah. I really like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was, uh, was there another one? It seems like these are pretty good in general. Um, I'll tell you what's but, good, man, is the actual 
when they started airing that shit on ESPN, mm. I think it was ESPN two at the time back in, geez, you said 2006. It was probably a few years before that, like Oh three or something like that. Right around when poker was get, was getting kind of popular mm-hmm. too. And uh, so they started doing this every year and my wife and I would like pop popcorn and like, really get into it because these kids that's talk about a high pressure situation. It's just like LeBron shooting free throws at the end of a fucking game. Well, you know what I mean? And and these are kids, yeah. man. They're, they're yeah. like they're unflappable. Year olds. Yeah. Well, and, and just the drama of them misspelling the word and that simple ding that yeah. they, they give whenever they're yeah. wrong. Uh, it's just, it's, it's amazing how dramatic, that simple little tone is uh, whenever they, whenever they, uh, they mess it up. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Cause the guy, the, uh, uh, the guy that you were talking about, the MC has to know all these words backwards and forwards, pronunciations perfected uh, the exact use of a sentence. Like this guy is like Alex Trebek, like Alex Trebek knows how to pronounce Everything, like even if it's in some weird German, uh, weird German, or like you know some sort of different language. Oh, uh, they this know. Guy is they like know this. Garrett. Yeah, the Germans know they're weird. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it like the the classical radio uh, DJs are like this. They they'll pronounce these uh, these fantastical names with a plum, and uh, yeah, yeah, I love There's it. There's a great scene that. in the in the first the basically local spelling bee that. She's in, and Angela Bassett, who at this point is not on board with spelling, finds out about it and storms into the fucking auditorium and creates this commotion in the back. And then the principal comes up and says, we need speller 7-7. Her mom needs to talk to her. It's an emergency. And so she gets pulled out there to talk to her mom. And the next speller, because she's after her friend, and her friend is next. So he gets up, and he stalls for like 10 minutes, knowing <laughs> she's probably going to get permission to come back in and spell. And so he's like, can I have the language of origin? And the woman, it's the woman from... Field of Dreams, who wants to ban the book at the oh. PTA. And she goes, uh, you already asked for that. And then it cuts back to Akila talking with her mom and uh, Lawrence Fishburne. And it cuts back to the kid. And he's like, could you use it in a song? And <laughs> she, goes, she goes, what? And then when Akila walks in, the kid goes, oh, never mind. Da, 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 da. And spells the word perfectly and goes and sits down. It's really, really Can you use it in a song? That uh, that woman in Field of Dreams is the girl in uh, Sneakers, who's like, I, I leave message here on oh, service. Yeah. You did not but call. You do not call. Uh, <laughs> of, uh, I, I think she's a favorite of Phil Alden Robinson. Uh, oh, but, that has to be it. Mm-hmm. But she wants to ban that book. Do you know why? Because he masturbates. He masturbates. <laughs> what is it, Catcher in the Rye? No, yeah. it's a uh, fake catcher in the rye. It's James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, James Earl yeah, Jones yeah, yeah, yeah. playing a Salinger-like yeah. writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, is he? Uh, I'm trying to think if he might. Well, yeah, I think it's a Salinger-like writer. Um, that's going to do it for this week. Keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. You're, we're also on CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter. We're on SoundCloud. We're on Discord. And if you want to get on Discord, go to our Reddit page, find our link on the right side, go there, or you can private message me on Facebook, and I will give you a link there. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Scherer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. 
I had to not look at you while I did that. <laughs> well, I was we're not trying to fucking ass off when you got in the middle of all that. I was watching one of these trailers. What was it? It was, I think, even cowgirls get the blues, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where like it was one of those older. Um, maybe it was River's Edge. Actually, no, it wasn't River's Edge. Where there's an announcer, where there's a movie trailer guy. And he's like, you know, Uma Thurman, Kinu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going to make a series at NBC out of this Joe Exotic guy from the documentary. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen it. I couldn't get it up to watch it. I think I watched, I watched the first episode. I watched and I the whole like, thing. Um, is, it, is it good? Is it worth I mean, it? Is it? I was talking about this last night was this person who was like, uh, you have to watch it. Um, but, uh, I was like, the only reason why this became a phenomenon was because of COVID and everybody, um, having to stay inside. Cause it was the first thing that became a thing during COVID. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and maybe it would have become a thing even without COVID, but it seems like it accelerated it. Um, because everybody was watching this, this thing. And I watched it. I mean, it's one of those train wreck type of things where like everything that is possibly insane about a person just keeps coming up uh, with with this guy. Uh, You know, just the fact that he owns a place where you could where there's all these big cats that he, you know, invites people in to, to, you know, pet and whatever or whatever he does. And and then and then it's like all of a sudden all sorts of other weird stuff starts coming up like. Him running for, I think he ran as a Republican for, I don't know, some sort, either state Senate or whatever. Uh, but he's he's gay, so there was a lot of like, you know, he had a lot of like different, you know, uh, uh, things from the Republican. Maybe he ran as a Democrat. I'm not sure. Hmm. That's the thing. He could have ran as either, but he was a big gun guy too, so... Hey, I saw Palm Springs. I heard. Mm-hmm. I've never heard. wanted to be uh, on a mini pod uh, retroactively more. <laughs> it's uh, it's so fucking good. I couldn't stop thinking about that that movie after I watched it. It's one of those movies. You said that you were doing this on. Uh, Sorry to bother you, Chris. Uh, I have never, never, to my knowledge, started a movie right after it ended. To watch it again. I know Mm -hmm. you did that in the context of like a poker thing. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to start this back over and watch everything again, given the knowledge that I knew. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. I can't wait to watch it again. It's (laughs) fucking awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's open up our legs. (laughs) 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 And receive both money and other items yeah. <laughs> into other other leg. things you put in your legs. By the way, I never understood this. First of all, this is maybe my favorite episode of Watchmen. So th- did you see the, the marathon was on this weekend? Of course, I watched the whole HBO. thing. Uh, I mean, you watched it, it again for four? Yeah, well, I narrowly avoided because I had to, to write this in, and narrate this MVS script. 
So I only watched the one episode and somehow got myself away. It was the third episode where Gene Smart shows up and uh, does her whole, like, I'm, I'm the investigator thing, the funeral and all that stuff. And she's got that Dr. Manhattan dildo. She mm-hmm. does. Yes. That's giant and, like, glows her face up mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't I don't know. I, I guess it's just there to intimate that, obviously, she was hooked up with Manhattan before. But she doesn't use it. She goes over to Petey's place. How do you know that she doesn't use it? Well, I got she the kinda, impression she, she closes it before she goes she over. Considering she, it, she fucks the guy, sure, but she's using it in general, right? Yeah, I think she's using it in general because she was she was about to hammer that thing home, like right before right. the senator came over. Right. Well, well like, one thing she went right for. It. She fed the owl. She went right for it. It was one like thing that Here stuck we go. out. Most to me, this watching was how good Regina King is at um, F-bomb line readings. Because (laughs) when she sees long, tall, shiny guy and she's running, first she sees him (laughs) and he turns and runs and she's like, the fuck? And then she does this whole chase and he slides into the drain and she's like, the fuck? (laughs) In the next to last episode, when... Her husband is doing stuff uh, three different times. She's like, he does a thing and she goes, motherfucker. Like three different <laughs> line readings that are all perfect. God. Uh, yeah, that show is, is like fine wine for me. But, uh, yeah, no kidding, man. God damn, that show's awesome. And that joke, that joke is so amazing. You'd like the joke about the brick in the air? That is such classic fucking writing. I can't get over. I can't get over the delivery, the conception, the the execution, and how it fits into the narrative overall. You know what I mean? I do think like, she's it's just it's just gorgeous. She's outstanding in that scene. Um, but again, what stood out to me? I mentioned this before, so I'm a broken record. Is the writing of that penultimate episode where Doctor Manhattan is talking to his future wife, but also, you know, talking to his future, future wife and talking to his past wife and talking to, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the writing on that show, especially when you get to that scene by the pool, when he reminds her, I experience everything at the same time. And she's like, you're talking to my grandfather right now. And he's like, yeah. And then they start communicating over time through yeah, Dr. Yeah. Manhattan's perception of time. Fucking, I will never write anything that good. It's so like I would never even dream that up. Awesome. I love. Well, it's it's almost like her, right? Where she's having 6,000 conversations at the same time, but I'm attending to you right now. Oh yeah, it's very similar vibes in that regard, and I'm sure that's part of what, you know, their relationship struggles were about in that, you know, time period before he had well, I guess it was only 6 months, but well, it okay. clearly pissed Gene Smart off cuz he's like, well, in in Watchmen the movie is it Malin Ackerman that plays her character, Silk Spectre 2? Plays, he plays the daughter of... Daughter uh, of. Yeah. Of, so... Uh, 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 what's her name? God, why... Carla Gugino. Carla Gugino. Carla so Gugino plays... Gene Smart's character. Carla then. Gugino is the Gene Smart. Okay. Yeah, and she was... No, no, no. Carla Gugino was the first Silk Spectre, right? Mm-hmm. She was mm-hmm. married to a comedian. Gene Smart is the offspring. Not married now. to comedian, No. Comedian raped her. Right, right. Gene, Smart, Gene Smart's character is the daughter. She's Silk Spectre too. That's not that. what I got. Yeah, because I was I was just watching that scene where she was 
she got Petey to explain to Regina King that she is the the daughter of Silk Spectre. She's Silk Spectre too, which mean I guess she would be Malin Ackerman's character. Well, if, if that's what has been was said, then then she is the Malin Ackerman then, because I, I don't remember that though. And then Malin Ackerman dated Doctor Manhattan, <clears throat> right? Yes. Okay, well, so that so Gene Smart dated. <laughs> it's it's so weird. Gene Smart was the same character that previously dated Dr. Manhattan. But Gene then, Smart's age made me think she was the first one. Well, yeah, because this is all those years later after. Um, is it that far in the future? Uh, it's supposed to be like it's 20, present day. Yeah, yeah, 2019 with some. But it looks like, so Gene Smart's character's name is Lori, last name Blake. Malin Ackerman's character's name in the movie is Lori. Last name Jupiter. So she probably changed her name. It looks like she is the Malin Ackerman character. I actually thought, like Chris did, that it was Carla Gugino's character. Yeah. Because yeah, in the like movie, Jay- I only remember Malin Ackerman hallelujahing Patrick Wilson in the safety. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's after she broke up with Manhattan because he was okay. so distant. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I have well, yeah, not admittedly watched that movie a lot. <laughs> Manhattan clearly didn't care one way or the other. <laughs> right. He's lost his humanity, basically. Yeah. He's like he's he in there sexing her, but he's also like doing all of his like oh, science and shit. I do uh, remember that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, she's and she's like, are you, you're not even focusing on this. It's like, I'm totally focusing on that, but I'm also <laughs> focusing on this. <laughs> hallelujah. Hey, was it uh, hallelujah? That's in the justice league trailer, the Snyder cut trailer. Yeah. Did you not watch that trailer? I watched not that it. You should. I watched it. It fucking, it, 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 like my penis retracted into my body. It's the same Hallelujah from Watchmen. It's just like yeah, it's the Leonard Cohen right? with this song. Yeah, um, but actually, it made me giggle hearing that song, and it just made it any chance of me taking that trailer seriously go right out the window. Well, you want to talk about that Batman trailer though? Anybody have any interest in talking about that Batman? I got. I got to tell you, it's grown on me. It's really grown on me. I really hate that use of something in the way, but it's grown on me. Oh, do you, is that a cover you've heard before, or you just don't like the use of that song? It's not a cover. It's just they 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 stretch it out and they make it. Okay, weird. they just slowed it down. No, they didn't slow it down until the. Yeah, it's the actual Nirvana song for for a while, and then yeah, they slow it down. And, oh, all right. <clears throat> well, anyway, um, when he punches that dude fifty-two times in the face mm-hmm. without the camera cutting, I felt like. Oh, this is what we're going to get, man. We're going to get more of this. We're going to get more of this. Like Nolan, God love him, is not a fight scene director first. Mm-mm. But this is the guy that made the last two Planet of the Apes movies. This is the guy that made that 360 tank shot from Dawn mm. of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> and he's making a fucking Batman movie, man. I am. Like, you want to talk about your dick shriveling in on the Justice League. I did the opposite on this mm-hmm. one. Baby. Yeah. It's broing. Shriveled outwards. And that, listen, James Gunn's Suicide Squad trailer. Did you guys see that? Is it, a, did you see a trailer or a behind the scenes? It's a two and a half thing? minute behind the scenes yeah, with yeah. lots of footage. Looks outstanding. Oh, um, f- I. You everybody, like, you've never seen a superhero movie like this. There's only one guy who can suck his own dick, and it's James Gunn. And James uh, Gunn's like, yeah, I'm bringing the pain. Uh, and there's shit. And it's a war movie. And everybody's amazing. Someone's got baggage. This sounds uh, like me talking about Ed Norton and uh, God, Brooklyn. They're just <laughs> slobbing each other's knob. They're like just jamming 
thumbs up their assholes and stuff everybody like that. who's ever been interviewed on the set of a movie has said this has been the best experience of my life yes so yes. it's just hyperbole i'm talking about the footage i saw it looked really freaking fun man uh, yeah yeah i'm just saying right. well, yeah good. barrett he's talking the about whole... the footage he's not talking about the dick sucking there's <laughs> There's like there's like twenty seconds of footage. I'm, I'm that's hyperbole, but there's not, there's very little footage, and there's a lot of like sperming all over the camera about how this has never been seen before. No, and, uh, nobody said that. Nobody said that. No, he literally said you've never seen a superhero movie like this. Well, that's he not what you just said. said. What sperming? No. <laughs> Maybe we haven't ever seen a superhero movie like this. What, somebody's going to have a golden cloak? <laughs> From what I have read, it is very much uh, a 70s war movie that happens to include these wacky, wild villain characters in a Dirty Dozen-esque kind of mission. I have never seen a superhero movie quite like that. Isn't Suicide Squad like that, except for not in the 70s? Hell no! So it's not a 70s war movie! He, the other thing he said was, this is the, by far the biggest movie I've ever worked on. And I think that can just be a statement of fact in terms of scope or budget. Not necessarily dick sucking. Baron, <clears throat> I agree with you that I am not excited about a Suicide Squad movie. But I will watch this due to different people being involved and making it possibly more fun <clears throat> and, and everything. And uh, I'm sure the footage looks way different from what that first movie does. Okay. How about the Wonder Woman trailer? Did anybody see that? No. I, I don't need any more Wonder Woman trailer. Oh, all right. Is, that, is it on. good? Looked pretty good to me. I mean, she does lasso lightning and ride it like Tarzan on vines, which I found to be She's a riding the lightning like Metallica? I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't know that was possible. I feel like she might get electrocuted that way, but she didn't. And I will say that, like, the villain is uh, named Cheetah, and it's a uh, it's, uh, SNL girl we love, um, Jilly. Um, Kristen Wiig? Kristen Wiig. Oh, she's the villain? I remember in, her being and, in that yes, first. And in the oh. end, um, she looks like a cheetah, and it's kind of like Taylor Swift and Cats. And, <laughs> and you're saying this is a good thing? All right. No, I'll watch Wonder Woman, and I'm excited for Batman. All right. I'm good kind of excited for Wonder Woman because Patty Jenkins is doing it again. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I have an idea of how they bring Chris uh, Pine back. Well, the trailer um, will straight up tell you. So, oh, really? Yeah. Is it uh, is it Pedro Pascal? Like his his doohickey? Yes. Okay. I, I mean, not. Not the way that sounds, but basically there is a an item in this movie that can grant you whatever grant wish. you wish for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, called the doohickey. It's called it's called, called, it's called Mother doohickey. Pedro's Pepe. Yeah, Pedro's <laughs> Pepe. Pepe. That's she right. talked about Pepe, Steve. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of Vince Lombardi quotes that better help. Right, right. like go that, out there and win one for the Gipper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 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 uh, what, what's funny i caught a little bit of uh, semi-pro the other day uh, you know, the, the will ferrell thing where he's he brings in woody allen's character uh, woody, 
Woody Harrelson's character. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like, what's our motto? He's talking to Andre 3000 or whatever. He's like, what's our motto? And he's like, E-L-E. And he's like, yeah, everybody love everybody. And he points to the sign. The sign that says everybody love. It's on the sign. <laughs> the sign before the game. There's this song they used to play for altar calls at uh, church youth group and camps mm-hmm. um, to make you feel like real urgency. And the song was called Tomorrow. And it's basically this girl singing Tomorrow. I'll give my life tomorrow. Dice is probably going to know this song immediately. And um, forget about today. And it's basically, you know, I'll just do it tomorrow. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's implied that she like dies. Or sure she does. Sure she does. And it becomes this like, you better do this today. And I just remember uh, all the teens go, I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I'm just what is an altar call? Is that where you, you come up and you do the Sorry. Jesus thing? Yes. Uh, an altar call is where the minister opens up, uh, at least in come, uh, come, some come Protestant religions. Yes. Come, an altar in, in Protestant religions is not quite the same use as Catholic altar, I don't think. But it, in, in my upbringing, it was a place for, for special prayer needs where yeah. other people could come up and pray with you, but usually the minister would come down and pray with you. And when you had revivals with, you know, evangelists in preaching, or if we had summer camp for teens, uh, you know, you want to win as many souls as possible. So every service ends with some sort of call to accept Jesus into your life. Come on down and we'll pray with you and you can get saved. Just like, sometimes, uh, they, sometimes they use guilt tripping songs to help you <laughs> do this. Like Paul Dano and uh, Daniel Plainview, right? Man, one of the most effective <laughs> sermons I ever saw, not to derail us immediately again, <clears throat> was this evangelist, uh, Dave Ramsey, not the guy who's on the radio, and this uh, fellow has passed away, um, but he had been a missionary to Romania and used to show the Jesus film over there. He came and spoke, powerful speaker, but he told this story about a, about a man who came upon a bridge that had broken, uh, but it was really snowy or foggy, and so people couldn't see, and there was all this traffic coming, and he knew it was hopeless, but he still got out and walked up and down the street, waving this towel, trying to warn people, the bridge is out. The bridge. At the end of the sermon, this dude is walking up and down the aisles, screaming, <laughs> the bridge is out, the bridge is out, <laughs> to get you to commit. And it was effective, man. Let me tell you, I am not trying to disparage. Uh, that was one of the best sermons I ever saw in my life. He won a lot of souls that day. He did. He did indeed. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from Cinema Sins. God damn it! <laughs> the throat monster got you. It's like the turf monster for your for your mouth penis. I hope that stays in. That should just be the cold open right there. God yeah. damn it! I knew I knew halfway through it. I was not going to get all the way through this whole thing. 